there's an actual scientific approach here because if our brain can't tell the difference between reality and non-reality, then we want to populate or we want to fill our vision with as many positive things, images, beliefs, people, stories, narratives, language. We want to dominate our conscious mind with all kinds of juicy stuff for our unconscious mind to start processing. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Loving Money, the podcast with Lise Wilcox. Really, I should say welcome to a fresh perspective on finances, because this is the place to be if you want to change your relationship to money, and in doing so, change your relationship to life. So thank you so much for joining me. I am your host, Lise Wilcox, and I'm really happy that you're here. Today, I want to talk about something that has been on my mind. I'm recording this in November. I'm hoping that you're listening to it in January. But every year in November, here's a snapshot of what it looks like inside my brain. It it looks like a wrap up of the year that was while also preparing for the year that will be. Now, as an entrepreneur, I don't think I'm alone in that in that strategy or in that process. November is just this like really heavy hitting double month of kind of going over the calendar, going over my vision board and looking at like did I actually do what I set out to do? What did I did I realize my intentions? And taking a quick stock of that, also getting very real with myself about what I want the next whole year to look like. And if that kind of lights you up, you're really in for a treat because that's what we're talking about this week. We're talking about really how to craft your financial future using vision boards, intention setting, and pricing with purpose. So today we're going to be looking at the power of financial vision boarding. We're going to be talking about how to set intentional financial goals for yourself. And of course, we're going to back that up with learning how to price your services effectively. So this is a pretty powerhouse episode for you. Buckle up, baby, because we're about to dive in. So the first thing I want to talk about is really the importance of creating this feeling focused financial vision board. So what does that mean? I see, I spend a a good chunk of my time, probably more time than I would like to admit perusing Instagram. I was going to say perusing Instagramming, but no, I'd spend a lot of time on social media is what I'm trying to say. And I always, at this time of year, I see people talking about how they're like make having a vision boarding party, or they're like cutting up pictures to make a vision board. And I'm not going to lie. I'm I'm sure if you've been a listener for a little while now, you know that I am a woman of strong opinions. So why would I hide this one? It kind of pisses me off because (laughs) it shouldn't, it has nothing to do with me. But I think what kind of pisses me off about it is that vision boarding is an incredible, incredible tool. If you use it properly, I feel like there's a lot of rhetoric around, like you make this vision board and you cut out magazine pictures and then bam it comes to life. That's not really how it works. Like the science behind why this works is that (laughs) I wasn't really intending to go into this, but we're, we're going down this rabbit hole. So we have our conscious mind and we have our unconscious mind. Our conscious mind is what we like, what we actually see in front of us and, and, and what we perceive to be real in front of us. Now our conscious mind is directly impacted by our unconscious mind, but our unconscious mind, we don't necessarily have like conscious access to quote unquote, that sounds really wordy and kind of nerdy. I know, but really there's this whole other 
program operating in the background. You know, I often, I often use the analogy of an iceberg that our conscious mind, it's like 10% of what we see out here in front of us. And it's things like our mindset, our actions and behaviors, patterns, self-sabotaging patterns. The 90% of the iceberg that is hidden beneath the surface, the stuff you don't see, it's all rooted in the unconscious territory. So it's limiting beliefs, it's old programs, it's stuff we learned in childhood that that our our brain and body think that are they're keeping us safe to just keep doing it the way we've always been doing it. And the interesting thing is that our unconscious mind doesn't know or it can't tell the difference between reality and non-reality. So why this matters and like, again, cutting, kind of getting to the, the neuroscience behind why financial vision boarding or why vision boarding in general is awesome, but then kind of leveling it up or dialing it up to be a financial vision board for you. There's an actual scientific approach here because if our brain can't tell the difference between reality and non-reality, then we want to populate or we want to fill our vision with as many positive things, images, beliefs, people, stories, narratives, language. We want to dominate our conscious mind with all kinds of juicy stuff for our unconscious mind to start processing. So if you have something like a vision board, which is to say, you know, like an actual physical representation of what you want your reality to be, your unconscious mind kind of works in the background to process the fact that that dream can become your reality. And as a master NLP practitioner, I can say what gets really interesting about this is that if you have this vision and you start to feel some resistance to it, like say, for example, doubling your income over the next 12 months, any of that resistance or that emotional kickback or uh, yeah, let's just call it emotional resistance. All that is, is feedback. It's just feedback giving us really valuable insights as to what still needs to be healed. So if you feel like, yeah, this is the year I'm going to make a hundred K and part of your body is like, Oh, I think I'm going to throw up really valuable insights that there's something that still needs to be healed in your unconscious mind that thinks it's not safe for you to earn a hundred K. Maybe you've already hit that milestone and you're like, you know what, this is the year I'm actually going to make half a million bucks in revenue. Logically, your brain can probably wrap, wrap itself around that number. But if you're feeling any kind of somatic or body resistance to that, it's just incredible insight that something still needs to be healed. And that kind of goes hand in hand with why vision boards can be such a powerful tool. They can actually invite a deeper level of healing through a deeper level of self-awareness and self-education, which is why I am such a fan of doing this for the new year to kind of kickstart. I like to think of it as a roadmap for the year that lies ahead. January is a totally arbitrary date. It just feels like a nice fresh start. And it is when we change over the calendar year. So from like a data and metrics perspective, yeah, January feels like an awesome time to do this. Not because of New Year's resolutions, simply because it's like a nice bookended chunk of time that we can that we can really start to put some numbers on. So 
if basically a, a financial vision board is just like a regular vision board with a slight refinement in that we're focusing it on what do we want your financial vision to feel like this year. Now, because our life runs on money, if we can get really, really crystal clear on what we want our financial vision to be, it actually very much helps support the rest of the vision that we're trying to execute and implement, especially when you're an entrepreneur. Now, what's really important for a vision board is that we're not just setting goals. I'll explain why in a second. What we want to be intentional about is setting the feeling. So it's not like, you know, I want to, I want to make $500,000 this year, or I, you know, I really want to take a trip to, I don't know, my favorite place, Sayulita, Mexico. It's like, yes, you can have those goals and goals are great. It's, It's a really nice milestone marker, bench point, whatever to have in front of you. But what we really want to focus on, especially when we're kind of marrying these two, the concept of conscious and unconscious, or when we want to bridge the gap between our unconscious and conscious minds, we're focusing on how we want to feel. So, you know, maybe you're listening to this and you're thinking like, I really want to feel more free. I don't know about you, but 2023 was an incredibly stressful financial year. That's like actually part of the origin of the birth of this podcast is that I was feeling the stress of it personally, professionally, and was watching so many clients feel that financial stress. And we weren't having, people weren't having like the right conversations about money. And so all of that, all of that went into really crafting or birthing this podcast as a, as a platform to get this message out. If you have been feeling particularly financially stressed or anxious, I'm willing to bet that going into 2024 you're feeling like you want a sense of financial freedom. Maybe it's time freedom. Maybe you're somebody who just really overdid it by necessity or by choice. I don't know. But if you are feeling really burned out right now, chances are looking ahead at the new year, probably something is going to come up around like, I want to feel like I have my time back, or I want to feel like I can be more present with my partner, my children, my dog myself, my family. I want to get back to figuring out what feels good for me, the woman, not me, the mother, wife, business owner, daughter, sister, you know, reclaiming a sense of like, what do I like to do? As entrepreneurs, I feel like I want to see somebody's like, so tell me about your hobbies. Like, what are you interested in? The answer is like, um, my business. Because we get so passionate about the work that we're doing, often we turn our hobbies into our business, but then we're left with like, oh my gosh, but what do I do for fun? So maybe looking ahead for the new year, one of those feelings you want to cultivate is fun or passion or joy, intimacy. You know, maybe this is the year you are really intentional about feeling good in your body, feeling really good in your bank account. It doesn't matter what it is. It only matters what the feeling is for you that you want to cultivate. Now, why we want to focus on the feeling more so than a goal is that a goal is like, it's a singular moment. I don't know if you know this. I promise this is on topic. Menopause is a day. 
perimenopause is everything leading up to that day. But often the language or the rhetoric is like somebody's going through menopause. No, they're not. They're going through perimenopause. And on that one day where their period ends, bingo, that's menopause. Well, goals are kind of the same thing. A goal is like a singular moment in time that you have either achieved or not achieved. And if you're like me and you find you thrive with change, but also find it incredibly frustrating when, say, for example, that change doesn't happen on your specific timeline, it gets so soul crushing. There's no other way to say it. So if you have a goal on your vision board and, you know, you can see the the sands of time kind of trickling by and you haven't achieved or met that goal, it can start to actually like work against you. You know, if I, I, you get into that mindset or that mental state of like, oh my God, like time is ticking and I haven't set out to do what I said I was going to do. So now I feel like a failure. And then like all those old stories come up again. If we focus on a feeling and I know that I want to feel financially free, well, I can start to affect legitimate change right now, like actually today, that starts to cultivate that feeling of financial freedom. If I want to feel like I'm having more fun or that I'm inviting more joy into my life, I can start to cultivate that right now using a a myriad of different um, uh, avenues or pathways to get to that feeling. It's, It's like it just gives you a bigger opportunity to, to do what you say you want to do without relying on that one moment in time. So we're going to do both in this process. I think it's really nice to have a target number for yourself that yes, we can adjust as we go, but it's kind of nice to be like, yeah, this year I want to make half a million bucks or this year I want to generate seven figures in revenue. Like I'm, I'm ready. This is my focal point. But you also want to be really, really intentional about the why behind it. And the why is always a feeling. So I really want to feel financially free. I want to feel like I have total freedom over my time. I want to give myself the gift of presence with my family. All of those are feelings that you can start to cultivate right here, right now, without waiting for one moment in time to pass is all I'm saying. So any good vision board is more than just a vision board. I know that people are really a big fan of like cutting out magazines. I personally would like to know where are they getting all the magazines? Like I have not bought a magazine in probably 12 years. So like, where are these magazines coming from that people are cutting up? Immediately, I'm like, oh, does anybody have a catalog of national geographics like remember when we were kids and you had to do a project and everybody's parents or grandparents had bookshelves full of national geographics that's something that kind of just went away in the mid 90s and has never really come back and so for me i'm definitely still stuck in that but where would i get a magazine from so instead what i love to do is use pinterest and you know if you like i have an active business pinterest account but in my private boards I have like, you know, a vision board for how do I dress when I'm a seven figure brand? And then I start to curate items from that wardrobe to make me feel like I'm already dressing that part of someone who has a seven figure revenue, right? Obviously I have a bunch of nail inspiration boards, but I also have like, you know, I take my daughters or a daughter at a time once a quarter to New York. And it's like, so what's that vision board for our trip to New York going to look like? 
before I got married, I had a whole litany of like, what do I want my marriage to look like and feel like there's just, there's so much value in kind of a a real time tool that you can use like Pinterest that you don't have to go through the labor of like cutting, pasting, posting. You can actually just like keep highlighting through it. I also have a tool that I'm going to link in the show notes for you called the Financial Vision Board Bundle. And in that tool, I've actually created a series of templates. So I've actually broken up what I like to use for my own annual vision board planning that you can just like drag and drop photos that are really inspirational or really meaningful for you that actually get you at a visceral level. So whatever whatever your, your medium is, use that because it's going to be the best thing for you. Again, personally, I really recommend something digital because it's so easy to engage with. It's easy to change. It's easy to edit as you go. And frankly, I think it's a lot more fun because, you know, my whole magazine phobia I'm realizing now. So yes, when you're looking for photos that represent something from your vision, what we're really looking for is something like a picture that speaks to the feeling that you want to evoke. So for example, I'm a huge cabin fan and there are like, yes, there are specific cabins in the world that I would love to go to, but just seeing like an A-frame in the woods with like, you know, a fire and a hot tub, I don't really care where it is. That's enough for me to evoke that feeling of freedom, time, freedom, intimacy, peace, calm, like if I just have a cabin on the vision board, it speaks to me at a physical, visceral level. You want to find images that really resonate with you. You know that old adage that a picture is worth a thousand words? That's what we're talking about. Like find that photo that really speaks to your body and communicates that feeling or brings up that feeling for you. That's enough. You don't have to have like a specific phrase or a specific image of you know, the swings in Bali to know that you're going to the swings in Bali. As long as you have an image that communicates that feeling that you are trying to create, that is good enough. Now, I want to say at this, at this juncture, just how powerful this is, like, it's not just in my life that these vision boards or this, my approach to vision boards has been effective. Almost every client I've worked with has given me some kind of feedback of like, oh my God, my vision board has completely come true. This happens all the time. But one of the first times that it happened, I was very new. So it was like probably back in around 2016, I had a client in Denmark and we went through all of this. We were like, how does your, we were creating this vision board of how she wants her life to feel. And I think about 18 months later, we had finished our time together, had kind of wrapped up, but she sent me a DM that was like, you are not going to believe this, but the whole life that we kind of mapped out, it's happening. Like I'm living it. It's almost a surreal feeling, but this happens so frequently, again, not only for myself, but for the clients that I work with because it works when you are really, really intentional about you know, using this imagery that evokes the feeling that you actually want to cultivate in your life, you would be amazed at what happens behind the scenes in your unconscious mind that steers you to bring that dream into becoming your own reality. And that makes me so happy. So the second part of this discussion on financial vision boarding is breaking it down to like, yes, we're going to do an overall vision for the year for like a 12 month 
year, but we're also going to break it down by quarters. And again, in this vision board bundle that I was telling you about, I break it down in quarters for you because again, based purely on how impatient we are as like overachieving women, it's really nice to not have to wait 12 months for something to come true. It's really nice to have this overarching vision. And it's really nice to have these quarterly checkpoints. Another reason the quarterly checkpoints are like having a, a, a vision for Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4. It's so powerful because we take this overarching vision and then we can kind of chunk it down to, to, to map out the strategy. So if I have this vision and I can break it down into smaller points, I can say to myself, like, what's the strategy that has to go into making this dream my reality? And once I have a strategy, now I can action it out into tiny bite-sized pieces. So if I want to accomplish X by the end of the year, I know that the strategy behind that is like, I don't know, I'm going to use my own speaking events just as a, as a quick anecdote. I know that I want to do one to two speaking engagements across North America this calendar year. Well, if that's the overall goal, and yes, there's a revenue goal associated with it, because I know what my rates are, but we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. If I know that I want to have one to two speaking gigs a month, then I also know what what kind of strategy has to go into that. Because if I want to speak in January, I'm probably not booking it in January. You know, if I'm speaking in May, that I'm probably booking in January, if not before. So if I like take this overall vision, I can start to kind of chunk it down strategically to be like, oh, if I want to speak at this thing in June, I better create my database of who I'm like to whom I am pitching and get on my pitching protocol right now so that I can actually get to be booking these speaking engagements a few months down the road. Once I have the vision and then I have the strategy as to how to execute that vision, then I can start to take action, right? Then I can be like, all right, how do I find these email addresses? How do I find the people that I'm contacting? How do I even find the events that I want to speak at? I can't do that little micro kind of grunt work until I have the overall vision and then the strategy, and then I can do the daily little bite-sized pieces of action to help me execute the strategy that brings the vision into my reality. That is true of a regular vision board. It is also quite true of a financial vision board. So if we look at this quarter by quarter, we can say, overall, I want this year to feel really free. Or, you know, this is the year I'm going to diversify my portfolio, not only in investments, but in what I offer as a, as an entrepreneur, let's say. If that's the overall goal, then what is my focal point or my intention for Q1? What am I working on in Q1 that prepares me for my intention in Q2? If I want to have this thing that I like, I'm really passionate about in Q4, how am I using one, two, and three to prepare me for that. So again, if you have an overall vision and you break that down into like, what do I want Q1 to feel like? And what are the action and strategy that I need to engage in to realize that intention? And if you do that for every single quarter, a couple of things happen. One, you're supporting yourself when keeping yourself accountable 
to realizing that overall vision you have for the whole year. And you're also getting little dopamine hits of like, way to go. You did it. You set a goal. You marked it off, right? You said you were going to do this and look at you. You've done this. You said you wanted to have this feeling. Oh my God, you've already created this feeling in your life. When we give ourselves that positive reward system, and yes, it's usually dopamine based, success begets success. So when we are really conscious about setting this intention and following through on it, all of a sudden we've set ourselves up for more success because we can actually see the results of our action and strategy in place. And that just feels really good. So we're more inclined to repeat it. But third, because our unconscious can't differentiate reality from non-reality and because our unconscious is 100% responsible for keeping us feeling safe. When we do something like create a moment of freedom, or we increase our rates by 50% and the world doesn't implode, our unconscious gets the message of like, oh, it was actually safe for me to do that. It was safe for me to do something new. And that creates a stronger sense of a foundation of safety that you now, it, I'm not articulating this well. When, when you do something that's like off your own beaten path, your unconscious hates it because it wants you to do things exactly the same all the time because any departure from that path feels like it's dangerous, like physiologically dangerous. When you do something, just like a tiny little micro thing, like for example, have fun on the weekend or order a paint by numbers kit because it just felt like something you wanted to try. When you do that and your brain realizes like, oh, interesting, the world didn't explode. You're giving your unconscious mind conscious proof that it is safe for you to try new things. It's safe for you to do things in a new way. And then the next time you go to do something new, when you're starting to feel that internal resistance, you actually have a metric inside of like, hang on a second. The last time I was afraid to do something like increase my rates or try something new or take time off of work in the summer and nothing really bad happened, you have that conscious proof to be like, maybe it's safe for me to do that. Again, so we're doing this unconscious healing in the in the meantime. And it's like it's all so connected together. I don't know. It has a really nice synergy to it. So we want to map out what kind of intention, what kind of feeling, maybe the kind of goal that you want to set for yourself. And going quarter by quarter, it is also really nice to have like what's what's your revenue goal? How much do you really want to be making? Maybe it's how much do you want to be investing? You know, if you are a chronic overspender, cough, hands up over here. Maybe it's looking at how much did I not spend? Like how much was I able to actually put towards my own savings account instead of, I don't know, random example, just overordering on Amazon and hoping for the best, right? There are all kinds of metrics that you can use that feel good for you when you go quarter by quarter and you have those check-in points. All of that supports you in realizing the overall vision and we just kind of get like more of an instant gratitude while also having a really strategic approach to breaking the year down into manageable shorter timelines. So what does this mean financially? It has really significant 
implications on how much you're going to charge and what you're going to set your rates at. So, you know, we've talked about setting a feeling. We've talked about setting intentions. We've talked about how you have the vision, the strategy, the action to implement that. And we've talked about how to make that happen at at a quarter by quarter basis that kind of just makes it easier to implement. Now we also want to be able to put a number like, and this is a goal. It's a goal number that you want to create. Yes, this will give you insights as to what still needs to be healed. Is there more money work or is there like more money story stuff that you need to go and do if your brain's like, oh girl, it is not possible for you to make 100K. Then you're going to want to start looking into like, where is that coming from? And why am I feeling that? Like what still needs to be resolved in there? But let's say you want to set this 100K goal for yourself. It's really, really easy to determine then what you need to price your services at. So I call this, this is my signature pricing strategy. I call this declare, decide, divide. And it's honestly, it's that simple. It's so simple. It's kind of annoying, but basically you declare what your income is or what you want your revenue to be. And you decide how many units you can sell. So let's say, you know, I work with predominantly service-based entrepreneurs. So let's say you want to have, like maybe you're a VA and you want to have 10 clients. Like it feels reasonable for you to take on 10 clients this year. All you then have to do is divide how much you want to make by how many clients you want to have. And that tells you how much you need to have per client or what you need to charge per client. Like it's, it's ridiculously easy. So whenever I'm working with women and frankly for myself as well, as a woman, I never use a 12 month calendar. I like to set goals for myself on a 10 month calendar. Why? Well, very honestly, because I have three children and summer feels like a wild card. If you haven't listened to the episode on like how anti anti women, I find summer break, go on back in the archives and look for that one. But really, I also like to have just a buffer built in, you know, I've had COVID three times. And whenever I get it, it is flatlining. Like I am out for a solid week and then I pop up for air trying to figure out how to catch up. So I use a 10 month calendar versus a 12 month calendar. And what that means is that you're looking in 10 months, how many clients can you reasonably take on? Maybe you're a photographer and your, your busy season is a wedding season. Understandably, January isn't going to have as many clients as you are going to have in the summer. But if you know realistically that in that June to September window, you could take on eight clients, then you can start to figure out what you need to charge per wedding, for example, and what kind of filler income do you need in your photography business that's going to support you in the January to June and October to December timeframe, right? So very simply, we declare how much you want to make in revenue. We decide how many units or how many clients, how many services you can reasonably commit to that feels good in your nervous system without pushing you into burnout or hustle fatigue. And then you simply divide it out to see how many of those things you need to sell. If you are a service-based entrepreneur that has a few different offers in your offer suite, I totally get it. It's the math gets a little more complicated in that you have to do this equation a few different times, but you know, like, let's say you do have a speaking component and then you have a one-on-one component, like maybe you're a coach and you have like a one-on-one coaching uh, component to your business and you sell courses or, and you sell 
templates. You know, maybe you're a copywriter, then you have like a one-on-one package that people can work with you. You also have like a mastermind or a group coaching program, and you have some kind of like downloadable IP program that people can get. No problem. You know that you want to sell X number of those downloads, X number of those mastermind spots, X number of those one-on-one spots, and you just kind of rejig the finances from there. It's very, very, very simple, but it's so simple. I find a lot of us actually overlook it. The reason I'm going into such detail here is because that creates the reality for you to set this financial goal. So if you're like, yep, I want to make hundred K this year. And you, for a lot of people, that sounds impossible. Again, it's only 11.1% of working women in the U S who actually ever make six figures who ever make a hundred K and it's even less if you're in Canada. So let's just be real. A hundred K feels like an insurmountable amount of money to a lot of women. But when you say to yourself, well, I need, I want to make a hundred K I can easily take on 10 clients and still maintain all the roles I play in my life and still have time for myself. That's really simple. You just need to charge $10,000 per each of those 10 clients. And if you have like a monthly retainer fee, for example, that's very simply like it's like a thousand dollars a month per client. And then you can shape your offer suite accordingly to make sure you're delivering max value for that. It just becomes so much more simple to break down these numbers into smaller chunks that it becomes almost like reasonable, or I would argue it feels safe in your nervous system or in your unconscious mind. It feels safe for you to achieve that revenue goal, right? And then you can see once we have the revenue goal, same thing. We have the strategy, we have the action, and we have the execution, and we can break that down quarter by quarter. So again, it kind of all flows together. I have so many examples of how this has impacted my clients in real life. You know, not that long ago, somebody came to me and she was like, I make like $35,000 a year. I am miserable and I really want to branch out away from that model, but I have no idea how to do it because frankly, it feels terrifying. It feels terrifying to leave my super secure, stable job. And it feels terrifying to like make more money than $35,000. So we each have an income ceiling. I've also done an episode on that. If you want to go back and listen to like how to start to shatter your own financial limitations. Um, You can also book a call on that too, because it's a really easy thing to help uh, deconstruct. Anyway, this particular client was really nervous about getting out of that day job and about actually making the kind of money that, for example, she's worth. And so we did this really simple pricing strategy of declare, decide, divide. And like within a week, she had launched her VA business and she had actually, it was like that permission she needed just to take that first step, right? Almost more impressively, I've used this tool with a client in the past who was, she was making great money. Like she was already at, this is a number of years ago, but she was already at 150, I believe. And she was really ready to scale or she felt like she was ready to scale. And she was like, this is the year I'm going to double my revenue. This is going to be awesome. And so we worked through the process and we realized that for her to double her revenue, she would actually lose 
everything she loved about the business because she would go from being a very hands-on service provider to more of a manager of people on her team who could deliver the service that she was really known for. So she was a massage therapist and, you know, she wanted to have a product line. And so we went through all the costing out of that. And it suddenly it was like, wow, for her to scale up in that way, she lost all the good feelings that she like, what she basically lost everything she loved about the business, added more stress to her life and only really came out profit wise, maybe 10, $15,000 ahead. And so for her, that was this moment of clarity of like, I actually don't need to scale, you know, like I'm not keeping myself small. I'm keeping myself really content. And that story always resonates with me because imagine she had invested the capital to really scale her business and grow and grow and grow only to find out it wasn't what she wanted to do at all. And then she needed to strip it all back. Really, really powerful story illustrating the scope and efficacy of this, you know, declare, decide, divide. So feel like I've thrown a lot at you, but here's what I'm hoping you can get out of this financial vision boards, regular vision board. Why am I calling it a regular vision? Like a vision board is an incredibly powerful tool. A financial vision board is this like power. It's like the ginseng booster shot to your, to your ordinary vision board. We want to do this and create this in a way that is very feelings centric so that you don't rely on achieving one goal. You actually get to cultivate that feeling right away. And you already start to feel like you're winning, that you're already having that success. And we know that success begets success. So we start to create more of an internal safety for you to take more risks, dream a little bit bigger, and actually implement the vision that you want to have. We've talked about the importance of breaking that down, those intentions and those feelings down quarter by quarter, so that you have a touch point, you have like an anchor point of something that's keeping you focused, grounded, and accountable to you throughout the year. And we've talked about how we have, we first create this vision, then we look at the strategy, and then we can start to action out the strategy to bring that vision into our reality. We've talked about how you set your own revenue goal for the year, and how you can back that up with simply declaring deciding and dividing to figure out how much you need to charge per services that are truly aligned in your worth value and service offering that still allow you to make an impact on the world, which I know if you're here, I know you want to do that, but you're also getting paid properly for it. And it's helping you create this overall feeling that you want to cultivate for your business. Are you fired up? Like I'm so fired up. I I just, I love talking about this stuff so much because again, I've seen it work over and over and over again. I've experienced I've experienced that moment time after a time that's like, oh my God, like I did it. I'm living my vision board right now. It's so powerful. And when you really commit to focusing on the feeling and kind of create, being able to create that unconscious safety, honestly, you can do anything you want. Even if you need to go back to your vision board, you know, sometimes shit happens and you get COVID three times or you have a parent who gets ill and passes away, whatever it is, like life gets lifey. You can go back and tweak or revisit your 
intentions and adjust accordingly. This is not a set in stone tool. This is something that's a living, breathing document, which is why I'm such a fan of making it on Pinterest or again in this template that I've created, because it allows you to be you and allows your vision to flow with the the pace of you and your own life. This is a long episode. I'm not going to talk anymore because I feel like that's enough for you to go in action out. If you want me to walk you through this step-by-step, I'd highly suggest checking out the show notes or hopping over to lisablecox.com to grab that financial vision board. It's only 33 bucks and it's really highly effective, but it walks you through each of these processes, including the vision, the strategy, the action, and the financial um, declaration, like declare, decide, divide. If you liked what you heard today, please go it on. I know it's kind of a pain in the ass, but please do it anyway. Head over to Apple and leave a quick review. Give it a little rating. It just helps more women just like you find this podcast. And I will tell you, if you liked what you heard today, please join me on the next episode in which we're talking about what a CEO mindset is and asking the really hard question, are you ready for it? I can't wait to bring that to you. I'm so excited that you're here. This is the place to be if you are looking for a fresh perspective on finances, knowing that when you change your relationship to money, you change your relationship to life. I will see you on the flip side. Thanks for joining me.